Today is Monday, December 14th. The title for our devotional is The Incarnation and Time. Remember the verse that we've been looking at in this series as the quintessential verse on the incarnation of Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Last week we covered this at length, so I'm just going to touch on it here in brief. Here John says that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember, the word for dwelt is the word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament to mean the tabernacle or the tent. This implies both transience and permanence. It was the location that housed the presence of God to be taken with the Israelites throughout their wilderness wanderings. In the mystery of the Incarnation, we see this in Jesus. He, the second person of the Trinity, comes to earth and lives among us for about 33 years. Of course, we love to speculate as to the other ways God could have redeemed the world. Appearing as an adult and leading a Jewish rebellion to overthrow the Romans would have been a much faster way to the cross. Instead, Jesus comes as a baby, lives almost a full life, that is accounting for the shorter lifespan of that day, here on this earth. In doing so, he spends tons of time here. This he does not just to teach us about God, that he could have done in a weekend seminar, but to show us who God is. As John says of his witness through his time with Jesus in 1 John 1.1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Through his time spent with Jesus, John heard him teach. He saw his actions and he touched his real human body. Remember, in this series, we're looking at Jesus' incarnation as a model for how we do ministry. Last week, we saw how location is so important. Jesus came here to us, so we should go to people far from God. This week, we're going to consider time. Through his time spent with his disciples, Jesus taught them how to live as members of God's kingdom. He showed them who God was and ultimately gave himself as the once and for all sacrifice for sin. This he did in real time in history. If Jesus did this, perhaps we should focus on investing our time in people as well. For additional content today, I'm going to include another portion of the Bible Project podcast on the Incarnation. Enjoy. Begotten means, what is that word? Oh. It's a weird word. Hey, everybody. This is Tim from the future, who's rudely interrupting Tim and John from the past. However, John just asked a really important question about the meaning of this phrase, only begotten son, to describe Jesus. And Tim of the past answer was a little bit rambling and not very succinct and thoughtful, (laughs) at least as Tim of the future would prefer. So I'm going to replace the old answer with Tim of the future's answer, which is right now. So the question John asked is, what is this phrase? The only begotten son. It appears just a few times in the New Testament. One is right here in the Gospel of John chapter 1. It also appears in the most famous Bible verse in the New Testament, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he 
sent his only begotten son and a few other times in the New Testament. So here's the thing is if that's the version of John 3.16 that you know, the phrase only begotten son, you actually know from that fact that it's an older Bible translation. The King James, the New American Standard, the Revised Standard all have this phrase, uh, the only begotten one. However, if you look at almost all of the modern translations from the past 50 years or so, you will notice that they don't use the phrase begotten at all. Uh, like the NIV or the ESV, I'll read the one and only son. So uh, there's been a debate, probably actually a few generations old now and mostly settled, that this phrase, the Greek word is monogenes, that's used to describe Jesus. There were some, an older generation of Greek scholars thought that this word meant the only born, that the phrase gene in the Greek phrase, Greek word monogenes, they thought that the genes part of that word refers to the Greek word uh, genao, which means to be born. However, there's been a whole new recent set of research studies done that the root word of that is not only born, but rather only of a kind. So that's why all of the most up-to-date Greek dictionaries, I'm just looking here at the like standard Greek dictionary that biblical scholars use by um, Frederick Danker and Walter Bauer, and the entry, the first set of meanings is the only one of its kind or the one and only. So what this word means, what John is doing as he introduces Jesus, he's going to call Jesus the son of God. However, as you've learned from the series, there are other beings, spiritual beings that can also be called the sons of God. They're talked about all over the, the Hebrew scriptures. However, John wants to preserve this phrase that Jesus used of himself, the son, and the idea that's all over Jesus' teachings that God was his father. But John uses this word, the one and only son, the monogenes son, to distinguish Jesus from any other being uh, that could be called the son of God. Why does he want to distinguish it? Because, as he's going to go on to claim, that Jesus is the one and only son because he is both distinct from the God of Israel and he is the God of Israel at the same time. And so I know the math doesn't work on that one, right? It's like one plus one is one. But that's the claim uh, that John is going to try and make. And so it's actually kind of important, I think, that we shift our language away from only begotten, primarily because to say that Jesus is the only born son, misunderstandings of that word have led to a number of offshoots from Orthodox Christian tradition uh, that claim that Jesus is the first and supreme created being from God. He is not identical or sharing in the identity of the God of Israel himself. So that's not what this word means. Rather, it's saying that Jesus is the one and only unique son of all the other spiritual beings because he actually shares in God's identity and is one with God. And then the rest of the Gospel of John is going to spell out what exactly that means. So anyway, that's Tim of the Future's clarification of Tim of the past. Um, John is now going to summarize and wrap up this whole conversation. Today, spend some time thinking about the Incarnation. If you were God, how would you have chosen to redeem the world? Most likely, you could come up with some faster options. 
But Jesus came and lived among us for about 33 years. In doing so, he built deep relationships, most notably with his disciples. In these relationships, the disciples discovered who Jesus really was and the true nature of his identity.